Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Take a moment to like and subscribe. Take a couple moments to leave a review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit tavernsquad.com for more of our content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliche alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. I'm your Dungeon Master, your Innkeeper, and your host, Connor Everly. Here with the fifth installment of our new campaign. When do we stop calling it the new campaign? That's the big question. Uh, We have the usual squad here with us today. I'm going to introduce them as I do on my Roll20. So today we are going to start with Dan the Mystery Man as Roy Nar Karagark. Hey guys, this is Dan playing Roy. So last episode we learned a little bit more about Roy's past, found out some things about his family. Uh, He was finally able to heal from that beating he took from the worm people and... Yeah, he's feeling pretty good. All right, feeling pretty good. Worm people or just giant worms, the Gricks? Worm people. They're people too. Fair enough. That's pretty small-minded of me. Thank you for correcting me. And next we have Andre Ryu as Tums. Yeah, uh, so Tums was doing okay last week. Uh, Started off the episode feeling a little bit like maybe Shaggy or or Scooby to uh, Jessica slash Cecilia's uh, Freddy. Uh, leading the way for the gang, being obnoxious, holding people up, persuading people, shooting demon hands, and uh, yeah, now now somebody's tossed out. Uh, we've got this thief that's that's tossed out magazines that appear to be pornographic to other people, but they look like thieves' magazines. The Tums. Thank you, Andre. And next, we will move to Sean Paul playing G three. Hi. Yeah, so last week was an adventure. G3 went and got some late night sandos. And uh, would you call him an interdimensional being? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so he met an interdimensional sandwich artist, so that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, now I don't know what Roy and G3 are going to do now that they're locked on the other side of the museum from basically their friends getting assaulted. Well, I'm sure you two will figure something out. All right, and last, but finally not... No, wait. Last, but not least, we have Jessica McGarry playing Cecilia Slitherspoon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, Cecilia uh, came back to the museum to discover that the hand had disappeared, the demon hand. Mm-hmm. However... Um, G3 managed to find it and kill it as if shaving it off his face, which was pretty badass. Um, and then, yeah, we investigated the statues a little bit more. I finally got to sleep because I almost died from the Gricks. Um, and then now Tums and I are stuck in a room with a thief trying to get at the, um, demon book. Bring it on, bitch. I think you said something to that effect at the end of the last episode. Really? Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's typical. I think you said motherfucker, though. Mm, yes. Motherfucker's a fun thing to say. Does everyone just want to say motherfucker for me? Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know how you follow that up. <laughs> I'll hold my motherfucker for another day. <laughs> All right. Well, without any further ado... Warning. 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 The sound of the alarm aggressively bouncing off of the stone walls of the Barazles Point Museum assaults your ears with a splitting tone. Undulating red lights bring the interior into view, awash in a macabre light before dissipating and leaving you in momentary darkness. 
G3 and Roynar, you stand at the gate, the bars that had descended, cutting off the western wing from the main hall of the museum. You look in despair as you see a shadowy figure that is standing over tongues. An arrow knocked in his bow, pointed down the hallway. Hearing Cecilia say motherfucker, you assume that he's pointing the arrow at her. Tums, you see this tabaxi fellow that you saw in the inn reading Better Gnomes and Goblins magazine. Knocked in his bow is a curious arrow with a fat, rounded tip. It glows slightly of blue. He looks down at you with his feline eyes and he smirks, showing his canines. You mean his felines? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he says to you, in a dialect you learned from your magazines, If you help me out, maybe I can help you with some connections to the Thieves Guild. Cecilia, what you hear is, Tree Apple Donut, Mayhap Clock Tower. The fuck you mumbling over there? I'm not talking to you, he says, as he brings his bowstring back further. You hear footsteps coming from the main hall, approaching the security gate, barring off the eastern wing. You hear Aunt May say, Drop the bow and arrow, or I'll blast you. And you see flames licking out from between her clawed fingers. Had a girl, Aunt May. Stacy got it from you, girl. Yeah, I think right now is probably a good time to roll initiative. Wait, Andre, you get a plus eight to your initiative? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess because it's dex based. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I made a min max character a little bit. Hey, like, it doesn't hurt. I just saw that like a plus eight. That is a phenomenal modifier. Like, yeah, I mean, my 11 still kept me at the top. So, all right. Roynar, what did you get for initiative? Roy rolled a 19. All right. Tums, what did you get for initiative? Tums had a 19 as well. Okay. Cecilia? And a 16. Okay. And G3. Oh, a speedy 12. All right. It's better than a single digit, you know. So getting a 20 to his initiative, the tabaxi rogue smiles over at Aunt May. Trust me, curator. I don't want any trouble, and I don't want to hurt anyone. But I've heard about how dangerous you are. He smiles before loosing his arrow at Cecilia and picking out from his belt a small hollow tube that looks like a blowgun. He has an ability called Assassinate. During the first turn, this creature gets advantage on attack rolls against a creature that hasn't taken a turn. Any hit the uh, rogue scores against the creature is a critical. What? what the fuck? That's how it starts. With the arrow loosed at you, Cecilia, does a 13 beat your armor class? Nope. You can tell that this rogue is off of his game, being distracted by Aunt May. He looses an arrow that sails just inches away from your face, and you manage to recoil your head, letting it pass. As it slams into the back wall, you hear this kind of thunderous boom, and see a small shockwave as the arrow collides with the wall breaking some of the stone. Bringing this blowgun to his lips, he fires at Aunt May. Multi-attack? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this hit counts as a critical... Whoa. Like we, we aren't playing with creatures that have, like, training equipment. <laughs> it's not like wooden swords. <laughs> this uh, rogue appears to be quite a formidable figure. Apparently. Aunt May has to make a constitution saving throw. Don't worry about it. Of course we don't worry about it. It's Aunt May, goddammit. <laughs> Bringing the blowgun to his lips, the tabaxi shoots a dart out, and it hits Aunt May in the collarbone. She clutches at her shoulder, and she stumbles, her eyes kind of lulling, her eyelids starting to flutter. She is going to take six piercing damage. She would take 19 poison damage, but she succeeds. So she will take nine poison damage. So nine plus six is 15. She starts to stumble and sway, lurching, losing her footing. The figure then looks to you, Cecilia. Don't worry about your precious aunt. I'm not a killer. He smiles at you before he pulls out a billy club as he tries to run around you and get to the pedestal where the Kota Danov sits. 
I told you, give me the book and nobody gets hurt. And the tabaxi then casts a questioning eye back to Tums. Tums, it is your turn. What would you like to do? Uh, you hurt my friends. Uh, you want the book so bad, you can have it. And using the ability that he has from the post office, sometimes you're out on your route and you're just trying to get packages where they need to go. And you don't always just leave them on the doorstep. Sometimes you chuck them on the doorstep. And of course, Tums is a small goblin. He's had to learn how to do this. So uh, Tums has the ability catapult. It's a first level spell slot for him. And I'm going to catapult the book from its pedestal into the tabaxi's face. Let, let me let me just read this. Choose one object weighing one to five pounds within range that isn't being worn or carried. Object flies in a straight line up to 90 feet in the direction you choose before falling to the ground. Stopping early if it impacts against a solid surface. If the object would strike a creature, that creature should make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, the object strikes the target and stops moving. When the object strikes something, the object and what it strikes each take 3d8 bludgeoning damage. Whoa. There you go. Doing something I never expected. Um, that spell's pretty fucking hot. So can I cast that? Yeah. It's a dex save. Yeah, absolutely you can cast it. He'll make a dex saving throw. He gets a 13. He moves his head as the book launches towards him. It seems like the Kota Danov, this disgusting patchwork leather book goes flying and pierces through this kind of magical veil that suddenly bursts outwards. A wave of necrotic energy flows out from the pedestal in a five-foot radius. Cecilia and the tabaxi will need to make constitution saving throws. So, Cecilia, what did you get for your constitution saving throw? Nine. Nine. Okay, so you are going to fail. You are going to take 11 necrotic damage as this energy field washes over you. It feels like your scales loosen in their skin. It's like a rotting feeling. The tabaxi also rolled a 9 for his constitution saving throw. However, he has an ability that only allows him to take half damage when such things occur. He is going to take 5 damage. I love the daggers being shot at me from Jessica right now. Good god. Has there ever been a more pure rage? The Kota Danov goes flying across the room, landing on the marble floor, and spinning to a halt at your feet. Tums. I, I, do I have anything left in my round? I guess I can move. You have a bonus action and a movement. Okay, um, I don't know. Can I use my bonus action and movement to, to dash and kind of like hop up on the tabaxi's head? Sure. Uh, do an athletics roll. Absolute fucking wild card. This is great. <laughs> uh, net 20. Wow. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> you want to describe what this looks like? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Tom's, he, uh, bolts across the room, uh, gracefully, like, he's taking, like, two steps at a time, basically, with every step. So he glides right over that book, and, uh, he runs up to the side of the tabaxi and kind of vaults off of his uh, knee and jumps up onto his shoulders and, and mounts him on a, on, onto his head and uh, is like grabbed onto his ears, just, just locked onto him. <laughs> All right. So as you uh, straddle the head, <laughs> oh. I didn't straddle his face. So. <laughs> uh, as you uh, as you put the pussy on his sideburns. Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Vaulting up and grabbing onto his head, you hear the tabaxi say, Well, this is no way to make good connections, you little imp. I told you no one would get hurt. You already hurt people. You shot her with an arrow. You bit the other one with a blow dart. You're full of shit. But they're not gonna die. <laughs> and now we're gonna move to Roynar. Uh, Roynar, you are in front of the emergency grate that has fallen down barring off the western wing from the main wing. Yeah, so can I can I assume that like the conversation that has been going on in the east wing was audible or um I'm more just like witnessing the things that have happened. Make a perception check because the blaring of the alarm is very loud. Oh, I critically failed and I have a negative 1, so I just got a fucking zero. <laughs> Not only is it too loud, but your head was right next to one of these speakers when the alarm went off. You are going to be deafened for roll a d4. Uh, Roy got a three. Uh, you are going to be deafened for three rounds. And what does that sound like? Or what does that not sound like? Nothing. It sounds like a ee 
kind of like, you know, oh, uh, what's it? Tinnitus. Tinnitus. Yeah. Just your ears are ringing super loudly uh, as you are embroiled in this chaos. So uh, as Roy is, uh, you know, his head is ringing from this alarm. He is witnessing these things happen. He sees the the tabaxi shoot an arrow uh, into the east wing. He sees the tabaxi shoot Aunt May with a blow dart. He sees Tum scuttle off in a direction. He also sees the book just sitting there, you know, but he's, he's maybe not thinking super clearly. So I think he's going to go up to the bars and um, I'd like to assess their strength. Like, could I, could I pick them up and like move them? It would be a considerable feat of strength to move it. All right. Well, I think he's going to try because again, he's maybe not thinking super clearly and he's seen all this stuff kind of just happen. So Roy is going to um, roll. See if he can do it. He got a 19 to strength. Locking your fingers beneath some of these bars, you strain, straightening your legs, keeping your back straight, lifting with excellent form. You manage to lift the gate about four feet off of the ground, but you can't get it much higher and you can't get it completely open. So while Roy is standing there, like straining, holding this thing, he's going to like start looking at G3 and then like, gesturing with his head while straining uh, at the gate. That'll be it. Okay. Next up is Limden. Limden, a look of terror upon his face, runs up to Aunt May. Oh, God! Uh, how, how can I help you? Uh, Aunt May looks at him like, Do, do you have any magic? Ah, uh, yeah! Yeah, I do! Chanting under his breath, Limden's left palm glows with this radiant golden energy before pressing it to Aunt Maeve's shoulder, washing her with some of this radiant light. He casts Cure Wounds at level one. All right, Limden. Uh, he gives Aunt May 10 hit points back. All right, uh, d does that help you feel a little better? Yes, it does. Thank you, Limden. No problem. All right, Cecilia, it is your turn. Okay, so while Tums is wrangling his head, I want to try and um, use my rope to, like, just tie him down and, like... All right, you're going to need to make an athletics check. It's going to be a competition. Do I get advantage because Tums is on his head? Tums is up there. He's, like, batting on his head, like, I want an Easter egg! I want an Easter egg! Like, <laughs> just going to him. <laughs> Yes, and I'll say with that natural 20 from Tums, yes, you can get advantage on He is going to use his acrobatics to try to slip out of it. He got a 7. This tabaxi got 17. So even though a goblin is attached to his head and just wonking him on it, he manages to kind of fight off the ropes and push you away. You still have an action. I'm going to disengage him so that I don't fucking die again, and then I'll go to the book. As uh, you leave his combat space, he's kind of swiping out, trying to grab you. Don't you go anywhere! Don't you take that book! And, using your disengage, you get right underneath his arms, and you make it safely away from him. Running across the room, and to the Kota Denoth. G3, it is going to be your turn. So, G3 sees Roy struggling with this, this gate. So he's going to go ahead and lend his strength to help open the gate. Okay. And since it's sort of like a help action that Roy's doing, uh, you can get advantage. Sweet. What would I roll for that? That would be an athletics or a strength. Woo! So rolling the first one as a 7 with advantage, I was able to roll a natural 20 for a 25. Alright, G3. What does that look like? Oh, G3 just comes in. Beefy boy stomping over. Uh, Single-handedly just lifts the gate up and I think because he lifts it so swiftly Roy would still be hanging on the bottom for a little bit and gets lifted off the ground before dropping back down <laughs> so that would be your bonus action you still have an action and a move I think G3 would go check out what all the commotion is in the other room can I roll a perception to see what he's heard over the the loud alarm so he rolled a 14 so, with the 14, you've only picked up bits and pieces. You can hear something about the assassin not wanting to hurt or kill people. Uh, you can hear Tums uh, screaming out not to hurt his friends. Uh, you hear a blast that sounds like a spell going off. 
And that's really about all you can hear with that. Okay. G3, since hearing, you know, stay away from my friends, would move up here with the two getting healed. Kind of in front of the gate, but he can't fully get in front of them. He wants to body block them, so he's just going to get up next to them. Sounds good. You take a defensive position over by Aunt May. Yep. You can see that she looks comforted by your presence. She appears groggy, but she shakes her head, and she kind of says under her breath, What am I doing? I gotta hit the button. And she makes her way, running to the front desk, and she comes to the front desk and sees that an arrow is stuck in the lever that has engaged the alarm. She is going to need to make a strength roll to pull the arrow free. Don't worry, Cecilia! We'll be there soon! And she grips on to the arrow, and with a 19 to strength, she tears the arrow out of the alarm lever and disengages it. The gates lift, and the lights go from an undulating red alarm to a solid, warm yellow light, illuminating this space with consistent light. Now it is the assassin's turn. The assassin, fumbling with the goblin on his head, says, I thought I saw something in you, but it turns out you're just another wannabe hero. And reaching in his pouch, he pulls out a dart and tries to manually stab you with it. He gets an eight versus your armor class. Uh, doesn't hit against 14. He is going to try to stab you again with his multi-attack. He gets an 18 versus your armor class. That beats my armor class of 14. Go ahead and make a constitution saving throw. 18. All right, that succeeds. So you only take half of the poison damage. So you're going to take five piercing damage as he stabs you on the inner thigh with this dart, and you are going to take seven poison damage as you feel sort of sluggish, this sedative-like poison coursing through your veins. So that's 13 total? That is 13 total. No, 12 total. Sorry, that is 12 total. With his bonus action, he is going to try to get you off of his head. He will do an acrobatics. You can make an athletics to try to grapple him. Uh, Tom's rolled a 16 to athletics. All right. And this tabaxi got a critical fail. So he tries to grab you and throw you forward, but you manage to lock your legs around his neck. And as he throws himself forward, he sprawls out onto the ground. He is now prone. Tums, it is now your turn. Oh, you big hairy piece of crap. Uh, why do you keep trying to hurt me? So in what position is Tums at this point? I would say you're still like kind of over uh, the tabaxi's head. I'm over this, his head and he's prone. Yeah. Okay. And what of his equipment is available? Like, what can I see? That is on his body? Yeah. Okay. So as a bonus action, you can do a perception or an investigation to see what he has. Uh, let's go with an investigation to see what he has. Okay. And that's a natural 20 to investigation for 24. Stars and stones, goodness gracious. You can see that he has a coin purse, a small satchel. He has a rope. He has two curious wooden boxes. Um, they kind of look like little cages that are on his hip. You see a small quiver of darts, a quiver of arrows. He has a bow and he also has a billy club which has now been launched out of his hand and clatters against the wall. And what, what could he conceivably grab in one go? Any of the items on his belt. But only just a single item? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and retrieve the blow darts. Okay, so with an action, uh, you can make a sleight of hand. It will be a competition. Okay, so Tom's rolled an 11 on sleight of hand. And this tabaxi rolled a 19. So he sees you going for the darts and he grabs your wrist and says, Oh, I don't think so. Um, and out of the actions that are left, do I have a, a, a grapple or anything like that? With your investigation, that was the bonus. And then with your trying to disarm him, that was an action. So you have a movement. But if you try to leave, you would uh, provoke an opportunity attack. Okay. So I, I'm just going to stay locked on top of this dude for, for now. Roynar, it is your turn. After delicately falling to the ground, you still hear ringing in your ears as suddenly the alarm stops and a consistent orange light is shed across the entire museum. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Roy, Roy still can't really hear anything. So um, he's a little bit oblivious to everything that's going on that's not right in his field of vision. 
but he is going to follow G3 kind of over to the eastern side of the main hall, and he's going to start miming to Cecilia uh, to throw him the book because he can she he can see that she's got it, and he's just going to say, Cecilia, give me the book because he has no concept of how loud he's being. And you see Limden shrink away and kind of cover his ears. But with that, uh, I think that's really all he can do this turn. Okay. So next up is going to be Limden. Limden, after clutching his ears, looks up and sees the poor state that Cecilia is in. As a true hero of the law, he makes his movement, running into the eastern wing and up to Cecilia, before, likewise, touching her on the shoulder with a golden radiant hand. He gives you six health points, Cecilia. Thanks. No problem. That looks like some pretty nasty necrotic damage there. As are all my wounds. Well, I'm, no, I mean, some of them are physical lacerations and, and puncture wounds, but th- this is something else. I ignore him. Fair enough. Cecilia, it is your turn. Okay, so Cecilia's gonna wrap this book up in her bedroll. Okay. And then run straight towards Aunt May. And I think I get probably halfway there with my movement. I'm gonna use my action to sprint all the way to her. Okay. Um, sorry, Ronar. This book belongs to the curator of the museum. I shout as I'm running by. It's cool. Roy, you don't hear a single thing. Don't hear a fucking thing. Yeah. You run across the main hall of the Brasley's Point Museum and up to Aunt May. She puts one hand on the bedroll with the book and one hand up to your face, and she says, Are you okay, Cecilia? Yeah, thankfully that guy Limden got some magic healing. Yeah, he was pretty nifty in a pinch, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. But Are I guess you okay? I'll, I'll be all right. Things were getting a little dark there, but yeah, Limden helped. But I guess this pinch isn't quite over. Not quite, but I think we got the upper hand now. I hope you're right. All right, G3, it is your turn. Uh, can G3 pick up Roy? Yes. G3 is going to put his axe, stow it on his back. I feel like it's magnetic or something cool, so just kind of action figure sticks on the back. Nice. And he picks up Roy like Roy is an axe. And he is going to clomp over with Roy in front of him like a weapon. So Roy would end up in between G3 and this thief. And uh, yeah, he's just going to... Brandish Roy out in front of him. (laughs) Pretty much. Just kind of have you there. And uh, could I still do an intimidation? Or would you consider the... The carrying of Roy, my action. I would say that stowing your weapon is a bonus and carrying him would be an action. Okay, so G3 is just going to stand with a presence. Not intimidating, but you know what I mean. (laughs) As G3 picks him up, again, he can't hear anything, so Roy is just gonna way too loud say, Hey, hey, Metal Man, what are you doing? And uh, yeah, G3 would respond, Have faith, Roy. There is a plan. Roy didn't hear that. He has no faith. He doesn't think you have a plan. <laughs> he does not know what's going on right now. Does G3 have a mouth? I don't think he has a like visible mouth. I think he just talks through his little mask holes. <laughs> so I don't even think you saw anything happen. You're just like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, if you're being held by the ankles, you just have uh, phenomenal core strength and you're staying rigid. Oh yeah, phenomenal core strength. I feel like he's got like... G3's got, like, a thigh, and then, like, under the arm kind of has him, like, a staff. <laughs> All right. So, G3, you clomp down the eastern hallway, and you make it just in front of the assassin who is prone on the ground with Tom standing over his head. And, Roynar, you see the same thing. We are going to go to Aunt May. Aunt May will take the bedroll from you, Cecilia, and look you in the eyes. We need to protect the crystal. What it, crystal? In the west wing. Where is it, though? It's in the west wing. It's it's an identical hallway to the east wing. It's just on the west wing. It's like a mirror. Right, but where is the crystal in the west wing? It is on a pedestal at the far end. Okay. Yes. With her action, Aunt May is going to dash into the west wing. And she has the book in her hand. Correct. There was a crystal in there? Yes, there was a crystal in there. 
I mean, I think we just got so distracted by the porno mags <laughs> that we just didn't really make it further than that. So <laughs> does it's, not. Shock it's an me. honest mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so now it is time for the Tabaxi assassin's turn. He is going to use his action to disengage. And he is going to use his bonus action to try to sprint. Wait, he's still prone though, right? Oh yes, that is correct. And I and I have a mechanics question. When he disengages, does he disengage from everyone around him or does he only disengage from one opponent? He disengages from everyone around him. Wouldn't he enter into G3s though as he does the drive-by? He would. Or is that like a blanketing disengage? Let me take a look at the rules. Okay, so if you take the disengage action, your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks for the rest of the turn. It is a blanket disengage. Damn, that's good. So the tabaxi manages to scramble up to his feet and push off of the floor. He leaves his club behind him as he nimbly crosses the eastern hall and runs into the main room. As you attempt to swing at him or grab him, apprehend him, he manages to bounce Dodging, ducking, dipping, diving, jumping, and dodging. He makes his way to 10 feet from the entrance of the western wing, and that is the end of his turn. Okay, so Tums, this slippery cat person manages to slink out of the west wing. What will you do? That's a great sentence. What? There's just a lot of good words in there. Thanks. Yeah, solid. I'm going to use my move to get up over and get a line of sight with him. I'd like to cast Grease. All right. <laughs> yeah, underneath him. Can you describe Grease, please? Slick Grease covers a ground in a 10-foot square centered on a point within range and turns into difficult terrain for the duration. When the Grease appears, each creature standing in its area must succeed on a deck saving throw or fall prone. A creature that enters the area or ends its turn there must also succeed on a deck saving throw or fall prone. Uh, and the range on that is 60 feet. So Tums, the ever-prepared uh, wannabe thief and mailman, uh reaches into his postal bag and from the section of the bag that is all of his thieves tools he procures a pouch of uh of grease and he kind of gives that a a chuck in such a way that it that it lands out um directly under uh, under the feet underfoot and it spills out like a like a wet sack of well it is a wet sack of, of bacon grease basically nice underneath him <laughs> I, I feel like you had to rifle past the pigeon with the arrow sticking out of it to get to the bacon grease that you've also squirreled away down there like yeah I, it, it is also going to be a point later next next long rest i'm going to have to render my pigeon fat into more grease <laughs> <laughs> So as this pouch of the leftover grease from the kitchen of the angry gut splatters across the floor, the tabaxi will need to make a dexterity saving throw. He gets a 14 versus your spell save. Okay, Okay. so 14 beats your dexterity save of 12. This dude's pretty fucking OP. I gotta, I gotta... But he'll still have to do it on the start of his next That turn. is correct. I don't suppose I could use a bonus action to chuck my bag of ball bearings onto it, too. Good. I would allow it, but I would need you to make a dexterity check to see if you can actually throw it that far. Okay. All right. So he's got that. He's got it in there. So dex of 10. Okay, so I would say you throw it, but unfortunately, a non-magically guided aim did not go so well. It slams against the marble column that was placed over the grate, fall on the ground, and uh, roll across the marble floor. Roynar, it is your turn. After being hauled into the eastern wing to fight this assailant, he just slinks away. He moves away, dodging, ducking, jumping, and altogether <laughs> fleeing. I would say as, you know, Roy's willing to roll with it, so like as as, as the guy flees, Roy is just going to try to, like, pivot his body, like, in G3's arms. And, I mean, I guess he's going to try to get away, but... I, I imagine if G3 is willing to just let you go, you can just be let go for no additional action or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's say that uh, G3, while swinging at the tabaxi as he was running by, like, kind of also gracefully sets down Roy... It's like a swing into a release, like we're some sort of synchronized swimming team. <laughs> oh, we're getting in sync. Once he's been put down, Roy is going to use his full action to dash and follow 
the tabaxi. He did not realize that Tums was planting all these traps in between, so he is just going to rush right into it. Okay. And um, I assume I'm going to have to do some things. You will have to make a dexterity saving throw for the ball bearings, and they will have a DC of 12. Uh, Roy got a nine. All right, Roy, as you run out, uh, you notice one moment too late that there are metal ball bearings on the floor. Your boot catches on several of them, and you go slipping backwards and falling on your ass. Can I use my bonus action to get back up? That'd be 15 feet of movement, technically. Okay, well, since I technically used my full action to dash, and that was only like 30 feet to get there, I still have another 30 feet of movement. Right? Yeah, so it'd be 15 after you get up. So Roy rushes through. He slips on the ball bearings, falls on his ass. Uh, He can't hear anything. He hopes nobody saw this. And he is going to get up and continue to run and try to overtake the tabaxi. Okay. Uh, So you still have a bonus action left. With his bonus action, Roy would draw his longsword in one hand, his right hand, and be ready to face the tabaxi. All right, and also, Dan, you did end your turn in the realm of the bacon grease, so you will need to make another dexterity saving throw and beat 12. And again, Roy, pretty rattled, not paying attention. He just fell on his ass and trying to, like, make up for that, so he's really still not paying attention to the surface conditions and rushing ahead foolheartedly. This time, Roy did a little better, and he got a 20 not natural. You were able to move your feet just right, and you get traction. The uh, slippery bacon grease does not render you prone. Now, Limden, clutching his magic tome and his holy symbol of a skeletal fist clutching scales, he wanders into the main room and hoists his holy symbol in the air, saying... May Kelimvor bless you, mighty warriors! He uses an action to cast Bless. He blesses up to three creatures of his choice. That is going to be Roynar, that is going to be Cecilia, and that is going to be G3. Should have gave him that sandwich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks at you, and his stomach growls, and he scowls at you. Um, <laughs> a blessed target, whenever they make an attack roll or a saving throw before the spell ends, so it's up to one minute, the target can roll an additional d4 and add the number rolled to the attack or the saving throw. Cecilia, Roynar, G3, you feel this this bolstering. It's kind of a, it's a somewhat cold energy, but it makes you feel sharpened. It makes your senses feel honed. Like when they turn the temperature down when you're taking tests. <laughs> And like you're chewing on some peppermint gum. Just keeps you sharp, keeps you frosty. And with that, Cecilia, it is your turn. What would you like to do? So Cecilia is going to run past the oil spill, or the grease spill, and slink, slink her way um, right into the entryway of the door that goes into the chamber where Aunt May is. She's going to get a arrow out of her quiver for a short bow, and she's gonna use her crimson right. So I imbue that weapon, that arrow, um, with a 1d4 extra damage of, I can either do lightning or radiant. I think I'm gonna do lightning for this guy. Taze his ass. Uh, (laughs) um, So I'm gonna take 1d4 damage just to, to make that happen, which is a three damage. And then I'm gonna shoot my arrow at him, and I got a 23 to hit. Oh, that hits. Okay. All right, and so that arrow gets shot through and hits him, let's say, like below his knee. And then a bolt of lightning kind of shocks up his leg for a total of seven damage. Well done. Does that make a grease fire? Uh, actually, Tom's is, does it say that uh, the grease can be lit on fire? Or is it, like, non-flammable? You can definitely set baking grease on fire. Like, that'll start a grease fire, for sure. I don't know if I would okay. want... I would say the lightning, maybe, maybe not. Maybe if it was fire, uh, that would start. It makes that, like, the, the when you're trying to start, the tick, tick, ticks. Yeah. <laughs> so you shoot him in the thigh, and he calls out. He's like, ah! 
uh, as he goes rigid with lightning coursing up his leg. G3, it is your turn. So I have a quick question. Yes. What are the rules on throwing people? Yes, yes, yes. As in, how far could I throw tongues? <laughs> I'm on board with throwing uh, tiny people, as long as it's consensual. Um, <laughs> we'll say it's hand axe stats. You can chuck them 30, no farther than 60. I think that's reasonable. All right, so G3 is going to run after the tabaxi in pursuit. Along the way, he's going to pick up Tums. All right. When he's 20 feet away from the tabaxi, he's going to go ahead, do a spin as though he's shot-putting, but instead of throwing a large metal ball, instead he's just going to throw Tums directly at the tabaxi. Go ahead and roll for that. You are blessed, so you will get an additional d4. Stay blessed. <laughs> Alright, so G3 rolled a 16 plus a d4, so that's a 20. Not natural. Uh, as he throws Tums at the tabaxi. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, Tums, you get like hoisted up by your like, <laughs> by your belt and your collar, and just spun, thrown, shot put. <laughs> and uh, you you go sailing across the main room as you see the tabaxi turn around, eyes wide with shock, before you collide with him, dealing five bludgeoning damage. Nice. And you are again latched onto his head. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I do. I want to grab, like, I, I want to be on him. Although it's not your turn, go ahead and make a... Uh, Make an athletics. <laughs> athletics or acrobatics? Because I'm trying to. I'm catching myself in the moment mm. on him. Mm. I'm. 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 I'm recovering from a fall. It's acrobatic. Uh, it's an acrobatic event, huh? I agree. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna give in to the peer pressure <laughs> this yes. this time. This time. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> uh, Tom's critically fails his acrobatics check. So you try to grab onto him, and I I think, yeah, I think you try to grab him, and you accidentally rip off one of these cages off of his hip, and you fall and slide in the bacon grease. You are now greasy. I'm a greased up pig. <laughs> uh, so as you fall in the grease and you slide, this cage that you ripped off of his belt snaps open, and leaping out of it, are three frogs that have red gems belted onto them. And they look at you and just The tabaxi looks at the frogs and then looks at you. You idiot. What have you done? Okay. Sorry to, to hijack a turn. No, oh, good. all good. Can I use my last 30 movement? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, man. Would I notice the ball bearings? Uh, I would say yes. It's easy enough to notice them. Especially after Roynar spilled. <laughs> so people did see that. Oh, yes. People did see that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Tums did for sure. Limden was using a video pigeon, so he got it. <laughs> so G3 seeing the little uh, possibly future construct babies on the ground is going to not stand on them. And he's going to move around, not getting in the bacon grease. Um, and as he as he moves around, he's gonna whisper to himself, "We need to work on that move." And then he ends his turn. Now, because they are free, it is the frogs' turn. They're all in the bacon grease, so let's make deck saves for them. The two frogs that were next to you, when they fall out of the cage, they slip in the bacon grease, and then they kind of like fall on their backs and start getting like covered in bacon grease, uh, croaking wildly. The other frog lands right in front of the tabaxi, and the tabaxi with wide eyes looks at the frog, who looks at him. Nice frog! Nice frog! And then the frog jumps to bite him. Oh shit. The frog only got three, so the frog leaps up, and the tabaxi brings his forearm up, and the frog just clomps on to a leather bracer. The tabaxi's like, ah oh, shit! Ah, shit! Aunt May, using her bonus action, will survey the room. Looking around, she thinks, you know, yeah, this, this place is safe. It's locked down. It'll be no problem. She moves to the doorway right next to you, Cecilia, before extending a hand and casting 
hold person on the assassin. The tabaxi needs to make a wisdom saving throw higher than 12. He gets a four. So as this frog is locked on to his racer and he's like scrambling around in the grease, he freezes, locked up. So at the end of his turn, the tabaxi is going to try to break free of this hold person in chain. He rolls a three for his wisdom save, and so he is still paralyzed. How does that interact with him? Is he prone? He is prone. He is sprawled out in the grease, frozen. Tums, it is your turn. There are two frogs next to you, and you are prone. Okay, and noticing that the tabaxi was freaked out about the frogs, can I speak to him and the thieves can't? Like, to ask him what, what's up with the frogs? You can, as a free action. Okay. Hey, uh, what's up with the frogs? Why are you so freaked out? And um, I guess to everybody else, that sounds like mathematics geometry is bad. <laughs> Through gritted teeth, he'll say, The belts on the toads are enchanted. They were supposed to be guinea pigs. Guinea pigs? Uh-oh, that sounds cryptic. Okay, so... <laughs> and and I guess for everyone else, he's like, Geometry stinks. Sign. Cosine butter. I, I guess I'd like to use my cantrip mage hand to, like, get a firm grasp on one of these frogs. Okay, and uh, I think that's easy enough done. You just grab a frog and li- lift it. Uh, it, and I'm, su- I'm suspending it in air, like holding it where it's at. Okay. And I think that's all Tom has, has gotten him. Unless You could crawl out of the grease if you wanted to. Okay, yeah. I'll, I will crawl out of the grease. Maybe uh, the uh, the holy fountain. Can I get up in there? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you want to get, you submerge yourself in the fountain? Yeah. Does that count as a hide? <laughs> Tums, I'm going to need you to make a wisdom saving throw for me. Uh-oh. He turns into a baby because it's the fountain of youth. Oh, no. <laughs> and that, that, so it's a critical failure. As you slip into this pool of blue, lightly glowing liquid, you see these bubbles of bacon grease start to disconnect from your body and float upon the surface of this holy reliquary. And you hear a booming voice, and you turn to see that the winged statue of the humanoid looks at you, and a scowl crosses its marble face. Do you dare defile the fountain of Uranus? Uh, it's not so much a defiling per se, I'm just trying to uh, scrub up here. You have filthy the waters, heretic. Now you will see. Now, a note, everyone else can't hear this, can't see this. The statue appears to be inanimate. Just Tums, who has disappeared inside the pool. You don't know where he is. He's hidden. Only Tums hears this. Tums, you are, for all intents and purposes, paralyzed. Cool. And on the end of your next turn, you can make a check. Okay. What happens to the frog? Uh, After that happens, the frog, the mage hand, disconnects, and the frog plops to the ground back in the grease and croaks. Roynar, it is now your turn. Yeah, so by my count, this is the third and final turn that Roy is deafened. So, again, he's heard none of this. Uh, he is still in the grease, so I think I need to make a saving throw, correct? Yes. Uh, Roy got a natural 20 for his dexterity saving throw. Ooh. Nice. Because you've got a natural 20, if you end your turn in the grease this turn, I won't make you make another deck save. You have got your footing in the grease for this turn. So, looking down at the tabaxi in front of him, Roy, it still can't hear anything, so he's gonna say, Aha! You foul thief! We have you now! And taking out his hemp and rope, he's gonna start tying him up. Will you go ahead and make a survival roll for me, for your not tying? Uh, Roy got a 16 to survival. Okay, so I'd say maybe you got a little bit creative. Uh, you know, you grew up in the mountains with your family. Maybe you know, uh, maybe you know a few knots. You know the hog tie. Once tied up, Roy would take him, pull him out of the grease, and prop him up against the column. And, uh, as you bring him over towards the column, you see the ball bearings you slipped in, and with that nat 20, you just kind of slide your foot and just kind of kick the bearings away. Uh, so you don't need to make that dex check again. So, Limden walks into the room. His shoulders are slumped. He looks pretty tired. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, all the magic I can cast today. Is everyone all right? So far, so good. All right. 
Cecilia, it is now your turn. Okay, so I'm going to look back at Aunt May and be like, um, how can we secure these two items, both the book and the crystal, a little bit better? Well, maybe we can try to take them to the Barazle vaults. It's a bank. Um, maybe we could store them in one of the deeper, more protected vaults. Is there a spell on this crystal, or can I just grab it? There is a spell on this crystal, but, um, let me... Let me take it off. I think I can do that. Yeah, wait till maybe we get someone else, like a third person, help protect everything. And I, I shout to G three. Hey G three, we need your, we need your help over here. Yeah. And then yeah, I'll take the book from Aunt May. And so you hang out by this pedestal where you see this kind of sickly green and purple crystal. It looks like it'd be a very light-colored emerald that has some strange sort of circular deposits of what looks like an amethyst, another like a, a darker purple that kind of spotted. So it almost looks like a green spotted crystal. Okay, I wanna do two things. Okay. I wanna, number one, I wanna ask Aunt May what this crystal is, and then I wanna look around the room to make sure that there's no other things, like, or people or anything like that. So make a perception to see if there's anyone around. I got 21 of perception. You don't see any problems. You don't see okay. any people or anything. It looks like you are alone. And May, what is this crystal? She looks over to you in surprise. It seems like you've kind of pulled her attention away from all the goings on in the main room. She looks at you and she goes, It's the, it's the Rem Ferem. Uh, a crystal um, used by one of the evils. It makes it easier to use uh, dark magics. Okay, yeah, we should definitely lock this up too. My thoughts exactly. Okay, and would that be your turn? Yep. Okay. Uh, G3, what would you like to do? G3 heard uh, Cecilia's request, so he's going to go ahead and head towards the west wing. He's going to carefully move through the bacon grease, not step on any toads on his way. You will need to make a dexterity saving throw. So G3 rolled a 20 not natural for his dexterity to get through the bacon grease. You manage to clomp through, and as you're going through the bacon grease, your feet steady, the tread on the bottom of your feet, very grippy. You see two of these frogs. The look that they're giving you is a little disconcerting. Do they look menacingly, or like, what kind of what kind of toad looker am I getting from these guys? They are small in stature, but they are a little bit intimidating. G3 is just going to try and sneak well, not even sneak, just walk past them. Okay, so walking past them, you do provoke opportunity attacks from them. Both of these frogs leap from the grease and try to bite you. One gets a 17 versus your armor class, and the other gets a 14 versus your armor class. G3 has an armor class of 15, so just one of them hits. So the frog on the left, that is highlighted in red, jumps up and bites onto your arm, clamping down with surprising strength, and you see its red gem glow. You take three damage, and you see that this frog expands slightly. G3's freaked out by this. He did not expect this from frogs. He also doesn't know why they're wearing belts, because they have no pants. <laughs> He's going to go ahead and attack this with his axe. Okay, go ahead and make an attack. Uh, G3 rolled a 19 to hit... That is more than enough to hit this frog. And uh, it's a pretty good blow. He hits for 12 slashing damage. Oh yeah. You just snap this frog right in half, breaking the red gem on its belt and splitting it into two pieces that lay in the bacon grease. Yeah, G3's like, what? That was, you know, just thinking to himself, he's like, that, that, was, that was weird. And uh, continues on his way over to the room with Aunt May and Cecilia. Cecilia, Aunt May, how can I help you? Um, I think Cecilia wants help guarding the relics. I think I might take care of these frogs. Yes, of course. And G3 will use his last movement to place himself closer to Cecilia and the, uh, the stone. And as you walk deeper into the western wing, it is now time for the remaining frogs' turns. The frog on top of the thief is going to try to bite him. It will have advantage because he is paralyzed. And tied up. And tied up. Yeah, he is completely restrained. Oh, 
It gets a 22. This little toad bites on to the thief, dealing 8 damage to him. And this toad swells up even larger as the thief kind of through his gritted teeth goes like, Kill the frogs! Kill the frogs! And the second frog is going to go for the easy target and is going to try to attack the thief. I mean, it does have to move through the bacon grease. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, that's fair. It is, it is encumbered by bacon grease. <laughs> it rolls a seven, so it tries to leap and just like slips and sprawls out in the bacon grease and flops around. <laughs> and that would be the end of the frog's turn. So now it's Aunt May's turn. Or she could come and disengage a crystal too. Are you sure you don't want to come deal with this stuff over here, Aunt May? I mean. Those frogs bite people and swell to larger sizes, and the thief is saying to kill them, so I think I'll kill them. She is going to whisper a word into her palm, and fire ignites in her hand. She's going to cast Scorching Ray. Over the grease. She didn't think about it. (laughs) Oh no. It's a 9 for that other frog, it's a 16 for the frog on the thief. She'll try to shoot at the other frog again, and she gets it. Aunt May throws a fireball, and it hits the grease. Suddenly, the bacon grease starts to ignite and sizzle, and it smells like a huge bacon breakfast inside the Barazlase Point Museum. The toads get swallowed up by flame, and you see that the paralyzed tabaxi's legs are starting to catch fire. Would you say the fire follows Tums' little tracks into the water? Would the holy water top be on fire too? <laughs> the top. Yeah, is it like a grease fire? Where like it just sits on top I, of the water? I think so. I think so. Um, Tums, make a deck save for me. Sorry, sorry, Andre. 16. As the grease fire catches, it burns the toads. The second scorching ray slams the toad with fire, burning him off of the thief. The thief's legs start to catch fire as his legs are covered in bacon grease. He tries to make a wisdom save to break out of his whole person, but he gets a five, so he is stuck, and through gritted teeth, he starts screaming. And Tums, you kind of see a light come from behind you. This statue in front of you is painted in firelight and becoming more opposing. And it steps off of its pedestal, stepping over towards you. And it says, You will be cleansed, but not by flame. And it grabs your little goblin head and pushes you under the water. (laughs) And you see the surface of the water ripple with flame as this statue appears to be holding you beneath it. Uh, Make a constitution saving. Ten. We're going to say that that is enough to hold your breath for the duration, but as he's holding you under the water, Tums, you feel a familiar feeling that reminds you of the alleyway. You start seeing visions. You see the person that the statue is embodying, but in flesh. They appear to have this light blue skin. They still have feathered wings and a sword. He's descending from the heavens down to a desert land, and someone's next to him. Looking at that second figure, it's hard to make sense of their form. It almost seems like, well, like their silhouette has been burned from this memory. Yet, you can tell that this figure Eudenost, the one who's holding you under the water, was friends with this other figure, despite being scoured from the vision. You see battles, you see victories, but then you see that burnt figure, that burnt silhouette, being pulled away towards some metaphorical darkness of gathered clouds and storms, fire in the distance towards a land of brimstone and flame. The vision subsides as you break the water's surface, the fire having subsided. And you look to see the statue is exactly where it was. It looks no different, yet it still is frozen in a gaze down to the pool in which you sit. You turn around to see the assassin is starting to catch fire, and you can hear him, not even in Thieves' Camp, going, Help me! Help me! 
Okay, so it's my turn now? It is your turn now. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so that's a lot to take in. Uh, Tums is, like, shell-shocked by by the vision that he just had and the near drowning. I I guess his first instinct is going to be, like, he's got his his mailbag on him. He's going to just, like, chuck that over the top of his legs, uh, like a big wet sack. So an attempt to smother and and wet the flames. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and make a survival roll. It's a 12 to survival. I think that is sufficient. You manage to use your sodden mailbag and quell the flames on the thief's legs. Uh, guys, I'm like seeing crazy stuff, but you know, th- we gotta pat this guy down. He's all full of uh, gizmos and gadgets and stuff. There's there's another box on him. You, you, you gotta shake him loose. Get, get all the crap off of him. So I'm like, I'm kind of directing that towards you, Roy. I'm like, totally ambushed. You know, I'm out half my health, and just got nearly drowned. And, and I would say at this point, this is the first thing Roy's heard since the siren. You know, it's like, it's finally broken through, the echo's like, just gone out, and he can finally hear you. Um, Alright, and Roy Nard is your turn. Uh, and so with that, if if the thief is completely... uh not on fire anymore, I think Roy would uh, listen to Tums and start rifling through the thief's pockets and um, start pulling things off of him. You start taking the gear off of this thief. You get his arrows, you get his darts, his blowgun. You get another cage off of him and delicately put it to the side. Unless you want to smash it up. What's in that cage? I don't know, you want to open it up? Oh, it's not like transparent? Looking through the bars of the cage, it's it seems like darkness is on the other side. It's a tiny it's a tiny tiny cage. It's like maybe the size of a softball. Roy, Roy is not gonna is not gonna break it. He's gonna put it down. And Roynar, you set down this box, and Limden rushes over to the front, grabs a rug, and throws the rug over the fire. Aunt May clutches onto a tapestry on the wall, and she looks at it regretfully. I'm probably getting fired. (laughs) And she tears the thing off the wall and chucks it over the fire as well. And as the flames subside, you hear a fervent knocking on the door. Roynar, from this distance, looking through the glass panes, you see the familiar and unpleasant face of the Earth Genasi guard. Not his boss, right? Nope. The one that was extorting the old woman. Oh. And then the one that you guys bullied after he showed up too late to the Grick murder. Yeah. Uh, upon seeing the Earth Genasi, I think Roy would say, Well, well, well. Look who showed up after all the fun yet again. <laughs> and then I think he'd move out. He'd make his way to the door. As you make your way across the hall to let in the perpetually late guard, that is where we are going to end our session for today. Dang. Hey, folks. You may have noticed that our audio was shakier this episode. We had technical issues, but we hope you enjoyed the absolute chaos and froggery this episode had to offer. Clearly, our party is capable of befuddling a foe beyond their individual capabilities. But what can they hope to learn from this thief? Why does he want the book? And who is that spellcaster who crawled into the sewers? Maybe we'll find out on the next installment of Tavern Squad. Do you want to tell us how you like the show? Or berate me for not introducing that crystal thing earlier? Well, we here at the Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, or message us on Facebook or Instagram. We will begin reading your letters and reviews on air when they start coming in, so don't hesitate to reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit for more fun stuff and updates. Links are in the episode notes. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker Travis Savoye, Carl Casey from White Bad Audio, and Michael Gelfi Studios. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, the last call has been made, the tavern is closing, 
You don't have to bring your vampiric toads on a heist, but they're just so cute. How could I leave them behind? Toodaloo. All right. I appreciate how much environmental, like, interaction we're having. Tums, I think you're doing a great job <laughs> creating a world that we all have to live in. <laughs> That's definitely a way to put that. Yeah, uh, my apologies for the necrotic damage, uh, Jessica. Not, not okay. the intent. And, I know. Uh, that was a great idea. I started off real hot. I was so pissed, and... I mean, it's an engaging story. It, it reached you emotionally, so like, yeah, that's, that's real. That's that's engagement. Full range of emotions too. Oh yeah, yeah, a real spectrum. Real spectrum. That's good. I do hope Tums is like maybe in the party's eyes, like committed to the party now. Oh yeah, I totally he jumped on the dude's face. Totally like denied that that uh, story thread. No cooperation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right? He was going to induct you into the Thieves Guild, and you were just like, nah. That's always yeah. the best quest line. It's the Thieves Guild quest line, so. <laughs> I know, but you said no to it. And instead, you. You spilled his toads. Cecilia trusts you way more. <laughs> and you now. leaped on his head. Multiple times. <laughs> Multiple times. One time more successful than the other. Right, that next one. We'll work on that. Yeah, and I loved how you, uh, you Sean, how you just like G three was just picking everybody up. You're just using your teammates, right? Hoisting them, I, moving around, throwing them. And I, was like, I feel oh, like I can... you were really entertaining for this podcast. Yeah, the object becomes the objectifier. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had been able to swing Roy at the guy, though. I think that would have been really fun. <laughs> I hope you had your sword out so then I have like 10 feet of range swinging you and then your sword out. <laughs> Sorry, Connor. Mechanics are going to get real weird soon. You know, that's alright. I'll, I'll do my best to prepare for him. <laughs> I don't know if you can. I know, they're kind well, of like whimsy on the spot. Uh, we want to do this now. Yeah, that's just, that's just how Dungeons and Dragons works. That's how any RPG works, really. Mm. That's how the good ones work. That's the truth. Roy will have to make you roll for uh, ab strength. See if you stay rigid enough. He goes floppy and we just <laughs> hit someone else. Yeah, his his roll determines whether like what kind of a, attack damage it is, whether it's like a club or a whip. Is, yeah, <laughs> He's a foil. How, how, how well his core held up. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man, are there even rules for that? Is that mounted combat? <laughs> <laughs> Also, at this point now, after all of the fighting, I know I just made you level down, <laughs> but you have leveled up to level. Yes. Hell yeah. I get my health back. Oh, do you get your health back on a level up? <laughs> no, no, I mean my my hit point average, because oh. I went down 10 HP, which is a lot. Yeah, and I would say mechanically also, you can add your max health to... You can add the health you gain to your max health, but keep your health where it's at right now. Man, I want to know what's going on with the shitty guard. No one likes him. He's always late. He's not very good at his job. Right? Real cliffhanger. <laughs>